I hope none of you got, came to Christ in the, at a church where they said, if you want to be saved, bring some money up in here and God will save you. God didn't come to us and say, <clears throat> yeah, I know you need to be saved, but what you need to do first of all is renounce all your earthly possessions and, and become a monk in the mountain somewhere. You know, you have to do this thing. There's this burden I'm going to put on you. And then in turn, then I'll help you. God is the one who always comes and who always helps us first, who always assists us first, who always does for us. He's the first giver. He's the initiator of every process. So he doesn't come alongside us first to take but to give, not first to burden but to assist. And and God gave the law to help Israel, excuse me, uh, to know him, to lead them ultimately towards Christ. Jesus died to provide the ultimate assist for us, if you will, Uh, That is to enable us to partake of the gift of life, the gift of salvation. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who is the manifestation, literally, he is really the, he is the product, if you will, of the incredible love between the Father and Son for each other and for us as his creation. And the Holy Spirit is described in scripture literally as the paraclete or the comforter, the one who comes along, or the helper, the one who comes alongside, the comforter, the helper, he comes alongside to help you and me. In other words, if you talk about God, God assists. If you want to talk about love, love will always assist. In Philippians uh, 3, 4, this beautiful verse here, uh, he says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not selves, not looking to your own interests, but, uh, but each of you to the interests of others. This is a powerful couple of verses in a powerful chapter that basically is saying you need to, as God's people, you need to imitate the humility of Christ. This is what you need to do. And then he goes on to tell you how to do that. Let your mind be changed and your attitude so that you become like Jesus. And then he tells the story of Jesus who being in the very form of God, thought equality with God, not something to be clung to or grasped, but, but, but laid it all aside and took on, took on himself the role of a servant, a slave, one who comes alongside to assist. And it is out of that humiliation in the sense of him having humbled himself that God exalts him and gives him a name above every name. And so he, we get the sense of who Jesus is. And this is the thing that we get from this. As we, I mean, how many of you want to be more like Christ? How many of you want to be? If you don't, if you didn't raise your hand, that's okay. I'm going to assume that you are in, that you're down with that because <clears throat> that is really the goal of our faith. And that's what it's really all about. I'd, I'd like to be a whole lot less like me in my current state. Uh, I like me in, in the way, I like me as God created me. I like my, you know, my, 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 I like my mind. I like my temperament. I like my talents. I like my, my personality. You might not, but I do. I like, and I, I thank God for who, but there's, parts, there's a part of me that's being transformed into the image of Jesus. This, the old part of me that I'm like, you, bye-bye, you, you know, I'm re- ready to, to, to move on to become something better, right? I want to be more like Jesus. And you do too, whether you know it or not. Well, here's the deal. In talking about becoming like Jesus, to become like Jesus, we must become those who help, who assist others along their journey. Sometimes we think of spiritual growth and spiritual formation and, and that kind of thing in terms of me and us and getting in this, this quiet and this small space and doing our spiritual thing. Sometimes we, and we do often think of spirituality as a very individualistic thing. This is me and my walk with Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. At some point in your, in, your, in, your, in your journey, to become truly Christ-like, if you look at who Christ is, if you look at who the Holy Spirit is, if you look at God the Father, ultimately, 
uh, we will become those who help, uh, who assist others along their journey. And then this takes different forms. We could begin with the obvious spiritual forms. And when you talk about this stuff in church, we expect certain things to be, to be you know, to be uh, used as illustrations. You know, it means that, you, uh, you know, assist somebody by helping uh, them along the way to, you know, leading others to Christ, right? Helping others shoulder the load. Galatians 6, 2 says, carry each other's burdens. Uh, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, praying for each other. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. And, that, and we, we're good old Christian folks. We say, praise the Lord, amen. I'm going to do, I'm going to pray for, I'm going to come alongside and assist my brother in prayer and, and I'm going to do those things. But it also takes on very practical, very mundane forms. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Things like sharing your stuff. Yeah. Lending a helpful hand to somebody. Right. I mean, you know, Ace Hardware is, Ace is the place where the helpful hardware man <laughs> I mean, Honda's giving away free stuff to sell cars on the radio, you know. So, I mean, we could lend a helpful hand in very practical ways, assist others with their lives. Oh, sometimes, I know, I mean, sometimes you help somebody move. Sometimes you give somebody a ride. Sometimes you do this, you do that. And you do it in the name of Jesus, and you do it with the understanding that as we assist others. And then you do the spiritual stuff as well. You do whatever it is that you can that God places around you to serve and to, to, to assist others because that's what we're put here for. What's the problem? Well, the problem is this, that uh, uh, many of us are living out of what I would term malignant, malignant individualism of Western culture that is really quite the opposite of the communal sense of the world of the New Testament. In other words, the and, and I say this stuff all the time, and I hope you guys are not tuning me out. Yeah, he always says, I have no idea what he's talking about. So just get on to the good part of the sermon and let's go home. <laughs> but if you are to be an informed student of Scripture, you must realize that you cannot read the New Testament through the lens of contemporary Western culture and understand what it is saying to you. You have to understand that the culture of the New Testament is a, is a dramatically different culture. One of the problems the United States has globally at, at various times is that we sometimes are tone deaf to cultural differences. This is why most cultures of the world still are very much similar to the, to the cult, culture of the, the ancient Near East, to where they are honor and shame oriented, right, and very communal. We are not honor and shame oriented, so we, are, we, we, we tolerate a lot of dishonor and not too much shames us. And we don't care too much. And we're very individualistic, so we don't care about the group and community and about what our family, what our community feels about anything. And so we kind of sometimes run roughshod through the world like a bull in the veritable china shop because um, we don't realize that things we think we're doing just to be American, just to express our point of view, is devastating someone in another, another cultural uh, milieu because in their world, shame is much more important in, our, in ours. That's little history lesson, that was one of the challenges we had at the end of World War II, was that uh, Japan was ready to surrender, but because of the deep, the depth of the honor concern in that culture, which is, that's a big part of Japanese culture, probably bigger than even some of the other Asian cultures, um, we, we were demanding, we want full surrender, we want, we're going to, you know, we're going to depose, we want to depose your emperor, and they were like, we'll give up, but we don't want to depose our emperor. And finally, after wasting a couple nuclear bombs to show how powerful we were. We figured it out, and then 
they ended up uh, surrendering, and we left Emperor, I think it was Hirohito at the time, in place. And we did it. We ended up having to do it in a way that respected them. It didn't just go, and we won zero-sum game. Let's just blow, you know, we're just taking over everything. You get that? You understand what I'm saying? There's a lesson for us in, in a lot of places in life where sometimes, yeah, we could just kind of play our cards and, and, and use our, our options, but sometimes culturally, uh, the people that we're dealing with or the people that we're relating to are in another space. Now, that's, that's a little digression. You say, well, that's one of many, right? Uh, but, but we are sometimes consumed by this malignant individualism of Western culture that is really opposite to the uh, world of the New Testament. And so, but where, and, and that is what it is, and most of us live our lives in, in American culture, and, you know, we're none the worse for wear because we just go with the flow. But as a Christian, if we're not careful, we could find ourselves in our spiritual journey confined to what I would describe as a small space of self-interest, self-serving, and self-preservation. Uh, and we're so, sometimes we're so tone-deaf that we, if we're not careful, find ourselves thinking that it really is true that God helps those who help themselves. So I'll help me and you help you, and hopefully we'll meet up down the road somewhere. That, by the way, if I, I, I would never do a, a quiz in church. How many of you can tell me what verse, that, what verse says, you know, God helps those who help themselves? I wouldn't want somebody to try to offer one because it's not in the Bible. Now, there are some situations where it is, it is, it is, to, a, it is to some extent true, right? But that's not the essential of the core teaching of Scripture. The scripture comes at our problems from an entirely different perspective. And it comes at our problems from the perspective of people helping people. God helping people, people loving God in return, and people helping each other. And the fact that we need to be uh, interconnected with one another. We need the assistance of each other. Um, but we become enclosed in this cozy cocoon if you will, of our own concerns that, and all around us are opportunities to assist and to help and to, to connect with others. But we sometimes are blinded, and we're blinded sometimes, it seems, legitimately by our own pain, by our own circumstances, by the severity of our own trauma, by the, our, the, the size of our own trials and tribulations. This morning, I just want to remind you of this, that one of the secrets of life is this. That when you yourself need help, how many of you here can say, I, I know I can, I need help right now, in, there's, in several areas of my life, I need, say, yes, touch him, Lord, bless him, <laughs> save him, Lord. <clears throat> but one of the secrets of life is that when you yourself need help, if you can find within yourself enough strength if you can find enough presence of mind to reach outside yourself and help somebody else and get your mind off of your own issues and concern yourself with somebody else, you will find in return fulfillment and freedom as you are liberated from the prison of self-interest. I, I dare you this morning. When you are in need of help and when you feel helpless in some small way, just try to help somebody else. I dare you to try it. I guarantee you it will make a difference in your life. Now, somebody just fall out back there. Huh? The, the catchers weren't in place. <laughs> 
now going back, we say, okay, all this, all this stuff about communion, that's the world of the New Testament. But yeah, it, it was. That's the world of the, of ancient, of the, yes, but guess what? Jesus stepped into this world. Jesus comes into human experience. He, in the incarnation, he comes into human culture. He comes into the world, into those cultures, into those various tribes. Uh, and Jesus comes into the, the, the cultures of the world and sacrifices uh, and claims that orientation and says the culture's got that. The, when you are communal, when you look to the interests of others, when you help somebody else, if that's a part of your culture to be, to link arms with your brother and sister and to take responsibility and care for each other, guess where y'all got that from? You got it from me. You got it from me. Matter of fact, theologians will tell you, uh, you study the Trinity. One of the things, if you fall for uh, the teaching that strips the Christian faith of the, of, of the concept of God eternally existing in three persons, triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you forfeit that to run after some popular preacher who doesn't believe that, who won't tell you they don't believe that, but if you do that, you lose so much of the... First of all, you put yourself in a very strange place, uh, biblically and theologically. But one of the beautiful things about understanding the Trinity is understanding the Trinity as community. And, and I, I, what we learned was that, first of all, God didn't need to make you because he was lonely. Because God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were in an intimate and personal relationship uh, of mutual love. And, and he created you to, to basically to show off and to display all that love. All this love, you know, is waiting for you. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go up into the, into, I'm not gonna go up into the, the boys octave up in it. But you know, all this love, right? Triune God is all this incredible love. It's like, you know, you think about nuclear fission. I'm trying not to think about that, that too much these days right now. But you think about the fact that you have this, 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 this you take these little tiny particles when things are just right and you collide. So there's this, this incredible release of energy. And I get this picture that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as they relate together, God, the Son, and, and the Father and Son in perfect harmony and perfect love and, 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 and fit affinity towards each other and the Holy Spirit being kind of the expression of that love. And, 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 and it's like, it's this kind of incredible chain reaction that I, that out of which comes all that has been created in order that God may show that love and ma- manifest and demonstrate that love throughout all ages. You get the difference. It's different than God being lonely. God sitting up there by himself. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, well, I guess I'll make some people so I have somebody to hang out with. No. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're having a great time up here. Let's create, let's open the party up. Let's create humanity so that we can demonstrate throughout all of, all of the universe for all of time how wonderful this is and how great this love is that we have amongst ourselves. Does that make sense to you? The idea of Trinity is community. The idea of Father, Son. So we, we lose that if we, if, we, uh, if we abandon the Trinity. But it reminds us of, of, of how important community is. And you, weren't, you and I weren't created to live in isolation, but to live in community. We were created in such a way to require the assistance of others. Some of you have difficulty receiving help when you need it because you think, because it somehow makes you less of a person, less capable when you need help. And people say, you know what, here's some money. Oh, I can't receive that. If you, have some, if you, if you say, see me today, say, Pastor, I have some money for you. I guarantee you, I'm not going to say, I can't receive that. I'm going to say thank you. God bless you. Can I, how can I pray for you? 
But this is part of us in, in, in our setting where we, we sometimes we want to live. We don't think we need help. But we, we're created in such a way as to require the assistance of others in order to realize our potential as human beings. You were created to assist others in realizing their potential as human beings. I, I, it, is, it is sad sometimes to, to the extent that the rhetoric of the Christian church in our time and in our country descends to the low of basically sounding much more like self-help jargon and to where it really becomes all about you experiencing your best life now and being as happy as you can be, whereas the message of the gospel never comes at your happiness from that kind of approach. Right. It's never you first. It's always God and first, others second, and then you, you know. Jesus in Matthew six thirty-three, he says, Seek your best life and be as happy and be and seek fulfillment and happiness. And God will smile. He says, no, seek first the kingdom of heaven, God's rule and reign. He says, you seek that first and everything else that you may need. And he's talking in that context about the stuff that you worry and pray over. He says, everything you need will be added to you. It'll be given to you. The gospel is about us. It's about others. And all that God put into you, because you are all a, you are all a people of incredible capability, incredible potential. <laughs> I can't help but think about what was it—the Geico commercial with Pinocchio. <laughs> that you know, the world's worst motivational speaker. Loser, dude, sitting down there, and he looks and says, "You have unlimited potential." And it knows. <laughs> you know you lie. Sometimes it's, aren't you glad that sometimes it's, some of you, maybe you should wish that sometimes preachers were Pinocchio. God says every one of you in here right now is going to become a gazillionaire. <laughs> God says y'all don't have to go through nothing. <laughs> but if all that God put into you, he put into you first and foremost for the purpose of empowering, equipping, and enabling you to assist others. And he put the same in others to do the same for you. Look at spiritual gifts. That's one of the problems in Corinth. We're having a blast on, on Wednesday nights studying through 1 Corinthians. And the thing about Corinth, we haven't gotten to this part yet, but with regard to spiritual gifts, they grossly misunderstood spiritual gifts, and that's why Paul teaches so much on spiritual gifts in Corinthians. Same as much of the charismatic Pentecostal movement at various times and various places has grossly misunderstood spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are not you, it's not about you being young, gifted, and black, or whatever you are. <laughs> young, young, gifted, and, you know, South Korean or whatever. You know, it's not about, you know, we think of gifts now in terms of, wow, I'm gifted. That means I'm cool, people like me, I can make money, and I'm special, and I can, you know, and, you know when I walk in, everybody high-five me. But... That, and, and in the church, in some churches, some of y'all been in, people with various spiritual gifts, particularly the vocal gifts of the spirit, those are the ones that get you in trouble. Because people think that, they, that God gave you the gift of, 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 of the gift of tongues and the gift of public tongue speaking that requires an interpreter. But people think, well, God gave me that because that really, uh, it, it just really blesses me to go off in the middle of the pastor's sermon and interrupt him. 
and there'd be no interpretation. And, but people would think, wow, that, that brother there is really spiritual. I said, that's, yeah, hey. God gave me the gift of exhortation. And, oh, I get a lot of fulfillment in it because I get to, to, to get all up in people's face. And it gives me a feeling of authority because I get to tell people what I think God is telling me they, that I think they should do. You know what I'm talking about. You know, the way we use our gifting in a way, it's like it's just like a way to have our own little party in, in Jesus. And sometimes in church, it seems like everybody's really kind of doing their own little thing. Doesn't, you know what? I, am I, maybe that's just me. I, I, maybe, I, maybe I went to the wrong churches when I was coming up. But sometimes it just seems like it's like, hi, you know, this, I, I got this gift, but it's really more about me than it is about you. Because I don't care that I use it in a way that is skillful and that will help you. I just care. I just got to tell it. I got, I'm a prophet. I just got to prophesy or prophesy, whatever. You know, so I'm just going to say it, you know, that, that's probably see the, the thing about understanding spiritual gifts in the New Testament. And what Paul goes to great lengths to to establish is that these, your gift isn't given to you for you. It's for the building up of the church. It's for other people. It's so you can assist somebody else. The gift of God, the, the, and I'm talking about spiritual. I'm not talking about your natural talents. Those, you do whatever you want with those. You have a lot of latitude with those. But those things that the Bible describes, those, those special uh, manifestations of the Holy Spirit's gifting in the lives of believers to edify the church there for that reason, to build up others around you. And so those gifts are not just for you to realize your dream. My gift as a leader in the body of Christ, as in the sense of uh, Ephesians 4, as a pastor slash teacher, that wasn't given me to fulfill my dream because one day you will finally enjoy being up in front of people. Because I didn't when I was younger, not standing, talking. I enjoyed you know, doing, doing that stuff. I, but it's like, it wasn't given to me for that. It wasn't given to me so I could win friends and influence people. It was given for me to serve the body of Christ and, and to, to assist others and to build up the church. Now, whatever benefits and blessings come along with that, and they are many, that's fine. But sometimes we think of these things. God called me to be a preacher because he knew my destiny was to make something out of myself. That's a, it's not, it has nothing to do with that, although that's what drives a lot of people. But spiritual gifts are given to the church to build the church up. So that gift in your life is not just to bolster your self-esteem or make, you know, for you to make money or, but to serve the greater purpose of building up others around you. Now let me, are you tracking with me so far? Is it time for me to sit down? Don't, don't you answer that. Let me, let me give you, let let, let me give you three, three, three observations on this, on this subject. You get where I'm, kind of get where I'm coming from with this? Um, First of all, number one, we exist to assist we exist to assist that that is who we are uh we exist to assist the members of christ's body we really do amen and, and so we need we need to realize this now and and you say well how do you how do you know that well just let me give you an example of, of one passage of scripture and that's it was we go to romans twelve five. this is what paul writes to the church at rome he says so in christ we though many right? There's a lot of us. Form one body, right? One out of many. And each member, what? Now, you know, in church, most of the time, you would not have a clue that this was in the Bible. I don't want all them people, and you don't say people, up in my business. I don't want to be obligated. I don't want to feel imposed upon. I don't want to have to do it. 
I want to do it because I want to do it, and you don't, and I don't want to do it often. <laughs> I just want to. I one of the problems with being a smaller church is that it, there's not much place to hide in here. We need to have an overflow room that we use when we're not even overflowing. Just here's the overflow room. If you're like really want to, don't want to like know nobody or see nobody, we can have little booths with little, 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 like can look through a little window and the holes in the wall here and look through us. You know, he says, but because the thing about church, the reality is that we really do belong to each other. That we really do exist to assist one another. We really are here in order to serve. And, and part of the reason God has you on this earth is to, that there's, some, there, there's, some, there's somebody that you're going to, to co- uh, be coming up alongside at some point in, in the future, might, might be today, that's going to need your help. That's the reason we're, we're, we're here. Can, can, does that, is that mildly plausible to you? I mean, does that make some kind of sense? And then the second thing is this. When we assist others, we're assisting Jesus. Now, you know, I, right, I know the, the bell's going, what do you mean, Jesus? Jesus is the Lord of glory. Jesus is the, is, 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 is the mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is, is a mighty warrior. Je- How are you going to assist Jesus? Well, I was reading my Bible the other day, as I'm prone to do. I would suggest you try it sometime. <laughs> Matthew 24, 25 rather, Jesus says this. This is what he'll say to you in the last day. He'll say, I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, but you didn't look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when did I see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you do not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then he goes on to give the, 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 the inverse that whatever you do for the least of these, for anybody around you in your world, anybody in need, whenever, whatever you do to help, to assist somebody, you are assisting me. Huh? When we are, when we assist others, it's as though we are helping Christ. Christ himself obviously doesn't need our help. But those who are members of his body do. And so the body of Christ needs our help. And when we minister to, when we serve, and we sometimes we like the more esoteric the word, the more we can hide by it. We, want to, we talk about ministry. Well, we're here to minister to people. What does that mean? Let's keep it in the realm of vapor so that we can, uh, don't have to like, we can, it can be kind of loosey. We can't, don't have to define it. Well, we could, you know, minister means to serve. Well, that's a little too concrete. Well, let's get more concrete than that and more simple. We're here to assist one another. Minister, minister to one another, what does that mean? Serve one another, uh, okay. Assist, hey, it might be something small. It might be a cup of water. It might be a, uh, uh, you know, it might be a ride. It might be whatever, or it might be something great. It might be prayer. It might be counsel, whatever. But we're here. And when we do it to the least of these, to anybody in need, we're doing it for Jesus and we're assisting Jesus because his body needs our help. And so in that sense, Jesus receives our help. And so when, when you give a ride to somebody, now I'm not telling you to go start picking up hitchhikers, think yourself the Holy Ghost Uber out here in the community, right? I'm going to give them a Holy Ghost lift, L-Y-F-T. No, no, be careful. This is L.A., okay? But when you give somebody a ride to the doctor, you're giving Jesus a ride to the doctor. Yeah. 
when you, when you visit somebody in the hospital, it may look like, you know, your, your brother or sister, but you're visiting Jesus in the hospital. Uh, when you give out a few dollars in cash, you're giving Jesus some much-needed cash. And, yeah, Jesus don't need your money, but, his, but the parts the members of his body sure can stand to use some help. When you watch somebody's kids, guess what? You're watching Jesus' kids. Uh, when you, live, you leave a bag of groceries on somebody's doorstep and, and, and hightail it around the corner because you don't want to be all seen and stuff, you're leaving Jesus a bag of groceries. When, when you assist others, you're assisting Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that cool to know? And no effort is wasted. No kindness goes unnoticed. And that, and, and, and that takes us to the next observation here. God will not forget us when we assist others. Okay, so when you do that stuff and when you assist Jesus, Jesus is going to forget it. Now, people will. And I encourage you to to learn to artfully for try to forget the stuff you do for people. Try not to keep a keep a record of things people do for you so you can show gratitude. But the things you do develop a short memory so you don't lose your reward. Forget about slights and offenses and forget about. Deeds of kindness. Do them randomly. Do them with abandon. Do them in a way. Put them out of your mind and move on. And be so involved in, in loving and serving proactively, ongoingly, that you don't... Because, you know, if you do a whole lot of stuff, it's like, you know, I, 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 I do... Well, I'll give you an example. Say, I, like, I preach and teach. And so sometimes after about, like, I have to really sit down and think about what I was talking about two months ago. Why? Because I've done, like eight sermons and eight Bible studies in that two months and a couple of talks here and there, right? And so when you're doing stuff, now if I had, if you were preaching, you preach twice a year, you remember what your last sermon was last August. If you sing as a singer and you sing once every six months, you remember the last song you sung. I can go, I mean, I, can, I do musical stuff and I, I was like, what, 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 what was I doing last month? I don't know because I've done so much, right? I do so much stuff all the time. That's what we need to be about, about our assisting others. We need to come along and assist and then move on and forget about it. Because here's the thing, God will not forget us. So we can forget it and let him honor us and reward us. Look at what Hebrews uh, 6, 10, 11 says. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. And the love you have shown him as you have what? Assist. There it is. He says, you as, as children of God, you, uh, you have worked for God. You have shown love to God as you've helped us. You see how you show love to God? You see, some of us are trying to love God. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. If I say it long enough, I believe it. And sometimes you say, how do I show you? How? Well, the way you show your love for God is right here. He says to his, his readers, he says, God won't forget the love you have shown him as you have assisted, help his people, and, and, he, and don't quit. Continue to help, as you continue to help them. Uh, he, we want you to show this uh, same diligence to the very end so that, you, uh, so that what you hope for may be fully re- realized. In other words, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop doing what you're doing because you're doing the right thing. And God sees what you're doing and God's going to make note of what you're doing. And he'll honor you. He'll bless you. This, you'll never lose doing the right thing. You'll never lose by coming alongside and assisting other people. I, 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 let me just be honest. With you. I don't care if sometimes you feel you got burned or something like that. I, don't, don't dwell on that. That doesn't matter. If in, if you ever, if you tr- decide to live selflessly, yeah, you're going to get burned. Get, let me give you an example. Somebody got burned from me. His name is Jesus. 
He came into the world. John said it's like, well, he was in the world, and though the world was made by him, the world did not know him. It's more like the world refused to recognize him. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Right? So don't worry about getting burned. You're going to get burned. You get burned doing anything. What in life is pain-free and devoid of suffering and devoid of difficulty? What in life worthwhile is, is, is not difficult and challenging? Yeah, he said, but don't give up. Keep doing what you're doing because God won't forget. God's, people are unjust. Yeah, you live in the world. Grow up. You know what I'm saying? I'm, am I being harsh? I hope so. I, I'm talking to myself here. As a, I'm talking to myself. We, sometimes we're so thin, you know, and, I, I understand, and God understands your feelings and all that stuff. But he says, you got to realize who you're working for. You got to realize who you're living for. You got to realize what you're doing things for. You got to realize if I'm helping you and you might be, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? If I'm helping you and you might be cantankerous or cagey or, 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 or you might be snarling and sniveling or whatever. It doesn't matter. If I'm, I'm, if you might be trying to bite the hand. It doesn't matter. I'm... I'm not doing it for you. I have to tell you this. I hope you don't get offended this morning. He said, that's okay. You offended us Wednesday night. You offended us last Sunday. But listen, what, what I'm doing here right now, what I am doing this moment, what I'm doing and showing up here today and, 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 and serving as pastor of this church and using my gifts to build up the body of Christ, I'm not doing this for you. Now, I love you. And in one sense, I am. But I'm not doing it first and foremost for you. Because if he hadn't called me to do it and placed me here and given me the assignment and, and if he hadn't placed the ability in me to serve, I, could, I wouldn't and couldn't be here. But I'm doing it. I'm showing my love for God by assisting you. Amen. And that's what we do for each other. He won't forget. Now this, so this is a fairly simple message this morning. I, I don't have any other deep twists and turns, any you know places to go to really, you know, to really, I you know, preach you into some state of spiritual rapture. But I hope that I have challenged you to think. I'm really more concerned about challenging Christians to think, to think biblically, and to think kingdom rather than. I'm not as concerned these days about being Mister. Uh, really smooth, suave, preachy guy. I'm concerned about trying to tell it like it is, and trying and trying to move forward the kingdom. I'm I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to pursue uh, our own path in that regard, and I think that that's where God has us. So I mean, it doesn't have, it don't get much. I, I could try to come up with something deeper, but it really doesn't get any deeper than this. While you're looking for the deep, the deep is right. The deep is that brother, sister right next to you that just needs a hand that needs your help, that needs you to assist. It's right there. And so many of us understand that. And in this congregation, I don't say this, this is no way, when, 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 I come, when we come on, on subjects like this, this is no way near any kind of rebuke or, or anything because this is a congregation that we're living that and we're walking that and working that out. Well, that's been a part of our DNA as a church and, and we're growing in that. I just want to encourage us to keep, to keep moving in that direction. And I want to help us to understand that's the, the, that is where the faith, that is where our faith really takes root and that's that's how we really become all that we're called to be that's the right place to begin sometimes we we think that there are other places and you know they're the, they're the people that, that chase from from you know this event to that event even the people that think through them getting uh getting uh thrilled by 
some by the anointed preaching of someone that's you know well you know there's all these things that we think that they're these almost magical things that we're looking for in our lives. Oh, I said that, but I mean it with every fiber of my being. It becomes magic because I'm going to go to this. I've been a faithful member of a good Bible teaching church for a number of years, but I'm going to go to this one meeting and somebody that I've never seen who I don't know, have no knowledge of their integrity because they are, they have, they, because they've honed their thing really good. In that one moment, all of my, all of my issues are going to be turned around and my whole life's going to change. So what was your home church uh, chop liver? You get what I'm saying? That, that's a mindset. And it's not a mindset of, of most of the people that, that are in this house, but it's a mindset among Christians. Like it's like event oriented. It's like, listen, you can chase feelings, you can chase experiences, or you can plant your feet down where you are, reach out and assist somebody else and let somebody assist you. And you'll, you'll be amazed at how deep you'll grow in the things of God and how far you'll progress in your faith and how real it will become to you and how substantive the word of God will be in your life, how it will begin to, 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 to connect with you and your thinking and your worldview and your outlook and shape your emotions and, and, and your mind in ways you never dreamed possible. We're looking for it all out there. Sometimes it's just really simple stuff. I don't know about you, but and, and I've done a lot of things. I've been in church a long time, all my life, and I've done some incredible things. I've, had, I've been in some incredible settings. But man, sometimes the most powerful moments in my life as a Christian have been simple moments when I connected with a brother or sister simply by reaching out to help them or by them reaching out to help me. In really simple, basic uh, Let me just say this. Mary, what you said today means more to me, my heart, than, you know, when I'm going to do something, well, send us your bio, and they get up and they start. We, we had this joke, it's just like this one brother that I'm in this circle of guys I work with, he he like he he uh, he flatters people by giving them promotions, and among people of of, of a lighter you that are kind of like a little bit more serious, that doesn't fly. But like in the black church, you know, it's like it's like in some settings, if you're not a doctor, that that doesn't flatter. You don't flatter people by calling them that. So this guy called this guy, a, you know, doctor so and so, and then they kind of were looking at each other like, oh yeah, because it's like you like they're like. I, I, he knows he, this guy's not a doctor. He's not trying to be a doctor, and calling me a doctor doesn't flatter me. That's where he's coming from. Now, in some of our settings, oh, yeah. Now, if you call me Dr. Williams, I said, no, I'm married to Dr. Williams. She's the real one. <laughs> I told you, I got Alex's wedding invitation, and he addressed it. Uh, Dr. Charlene and Pastor Charles Williams. I'm like, well, how you return this man now? But, but what I'm getting at is this. There are times when people will flatter you, and there are times when you get platitudes. There are times, you know, I mean, there are times when, I mean, I have, I have been on big stages. Uh, big, big stages. Uh, really. And not because I'm, you know, but because I just, by the grace of God, I found myself in certain musical situations, you know, uh, 15,000. Uh, first Promise Keepers event I did, there were 85,000 people in the stadium. 85,000. Uh, I've done routinely several thousand. And, and it's fun. It's actually easier. I'd rather preach to big crowds than small crowds because I don't know them and I can't see their faces like you. And I, and, and, and I know you can relate to this, uh, that I would rather, I'd rather play for, uh, in a stadium than play for my family. I'm more nervous at a small, intimate family gathering or at a wedding or funeral where there's 10 people there than I would be if I'm like, because it's like I know all of you. And I say all this, but the thing, but all that is, is, is what it is. 
what makes what means the most in my heart what, what has blessed me the most is simple moments of connection with brothers and sisters where they reached out to help me i reached out to help them to where we connected because we cared about each other because we loved each other because we saw jesus in each other i've i've been searching for jesus a long time and, and i and i found him many times over and over again in the in the face of my brothers and sisters who cared about me when i was hurting who were there for me when i was going through a trial who loved me when I was suffering, who stood by me when I was tripping, who was there when I needed them. I saw the face of Jesus. I never, you, I'm almost done, but I've never, I'm not one of those guys. I, maybe you can't follow me because I've never had a vision of Jesus. You know, the big like 30 foot Jesus, my son, I've commissioned you to speak to the nations. You know, I've never had that. I've never, I've never seen angels. Thank God I've never seen demons. I've never seen anything. I have some weird dreams sometimes. I had a weird dream last night. Uh, but uh, and I, now I can't remember what it was. But I woke up and went, that was a weird dream, you know. But I never. But I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus in y'all. I've seen Jesus in Grace Chapel. I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus in you as you've reached out to help people in this community. I've seen Jesus in you as you've helped each other. I watch how how that that spirit because there's stuff that goes on amongst y'all that I that y'all don't know I know about. Not bad stuff, good stuff, where I see people that are connecting and helping each other. I saw how many of you made it out to the hospital to see many this week, it was a, to, you know, a number of you. And you didn't have to do that, but, and, and, but just in little ways, you had it in you to do that. And, 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 and I see Jesus in that more than all the other stuff. You know, it's easy to put on a good show. It's easy to try to be a big shot, but it takes something else. It takes true commitment to, to love like that. I'm almost done. But as I close this morning... For the first time, uh, uh, as I close for the first time, uh, I, I challenge you, lift up your eyes. When you, while you complain about the world around you, and the world is messed up right now, ask God to enable you to discover what you can do to be a part of the solution rather than to keep contributing to the problem. Ask God to show you practical ways to assist others in little things as well as big things. Before you get all preachy with your neighbor, lift a finger to help him. Don't go trying to invite somebody to church and the lady's trying to get her groceries out of the car. And you say, hey, you know, ma'am, uh, I'm your neighbor. And I want to, you know, and she's like, excuse me, I'm trying to get these groceries out the car. Said, well, I'm just wanting to give you this car. Pastor Charles said to get it to everybody in the world. And, and I want to invite you to our church because Jesus loves you. She said, I'm just trying to get, you go and grab the woman's groceries. Do, don't do it too quick or she'll think you're trying to steal them. But go grab the woman's groceries. Help, help people out. That's the secret. And, and going forward more and more in this society, in this culture, people don't, you know, because the, the cliche is people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. It's cheesy, but it's true. And the thing about it is, not with all the preachy stuff, but lift a finger to help somebody. Show them who Jesus is. Show them how Jesus works, how God cares, how God helps. Show them how God assists because in you, as you help the people in little things in their lives, it will demonstrate to them the way that God comes alongside all of us in the little things and in the big things of our lives. God isn't just sitting high looking low, but he came down among us. And put on flesh to assist us. He doesn't just say you better get saved. But the spirit assists us. Helps us. Draws us. Woos us. He doesn't just tell us to live right. But the spirit says. Romans 8. That he assists us. The spirit does. Rather. And Romans 8 says. The board says. That he assists us in our weaknesses. And we are to assist each other. To carry burdens. To lift loads. To provide resources. To reach out. To touch. To care. To do something. Almost done. But avoid the spiritualization trap. Okay. 
In other words, I, I, there was a guy, there was guys that were on radio, they, well, there was a radio broadcast, and it was like these guys, and they were, they were like, really like the guys that really knew the Bible better than like the other guys. And so they would, you know, they were like, you know, really, they were the word guys, and we knew the Bible, and we we just taught, we're breaking out in the word, because the rest of y'all churches are, you know, just, you know, that's a whole other subject. But, but I remember this guy was saying, you know, he was talking, he was getting real deep, he said, because you know, you have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, because it's like I was coming out of church, and a woman had a flat tire, and I just, and, and someone said, why didn't you, pastor, why did you, he said, because God didn't tell me to help her with that flat tire. I said, I want to slap you. Not, not if you have a flat tire, I may or may not, I may or I may not change your spare time, but I, I don't think, see, sometimes we, there's some things that we are waiting for God to tell us to do or trying to pray ourselves out of, and God says, if it's in, fr- in front of you and you have nothing better to do, then do it. And sometimes if it's in front of you and you have something to better, better to do, what you, what's in front of you is more important that you do than what you think is, is, is the better thing that you should be doing. You know what I'm saying? There's a place for boundaries. There's a place for knowing. I mean, I'm not going out trying to change everybody's tire today. I'm not going to help you clean your garage this afternoon. I'm not going to paint your house. Not this week. But you know what I'm saying? You have to be careful that you don't miss the profound and simple opportunities around you to show God's love in simple ways. And, and I would just point you real quick without going into, into a whole thing. The parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. Remember that? And, you know, Jesus, what should I do to inherit eternal life? He says, the law says, you know, uh, Jesus says, love Lord your God with all your heart. Oh, man, love your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? Well, what does that mean? Who, who do I have to love? And he tells the story of, uh, uh, you know, because he's trying to justify himself. He tells the story of a man going down to Jerusalem, uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he's attacked by robbers, stripped of his clothes, beaten. And, and, and uh, they left him half dead on the road. And this priest goes by the same road and saw the man pass by on the other side. Does that sound familiar? And he goes on to say, a Levite came down to place, saw him, he passed on the other side. He's been passed on both sides. Somebody said, pass me not, O gentle Savior. We said, we're going to pass you up, Mr. 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 Uh, uh, injured guy. So the Samaritan, and the Samaritans are like the uncool people. They're the, the outcasts, right? But he's traveling down. He comes to the, where the man was, and he saw him. He took pity on him when he went to him and bandaged his wounds. He poured oil on oil and wine, and then he put the, the man on his donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Uh, maybe it was a holiday inn. I don't know. And the next day, he took out two denarii, basically two days' worth of, of money, and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, look after this guy, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law required the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him this. He said this. He said, well, you go and do likewise. Jesus said, listen, the the spiritual guys sometimes walk around the problem and around the concerns and around the needs. And the Samaritan, the the one you you would least expect, he walks right by and gets involved and helps out. He says, that's the one who, that's the good neighbor. He says, and that's what you are to be. He says, you go and do the same thing. And, and, and the one who had mercy was the one who assisted. He did something. And notice, he provided assistance in practical ways. He put his money where his mouth was. He didn't just tell the man about God in the words of James. You know, James talks about words versus deeds. He says, you know, somebody's hungry and, and, and what, will be warmed and filled. He doesn't just tell God bless you, my brother. The Lord loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. My brother, do you know the Lord of glory? He's coming again soon, and you want to be ready for the rapture. And because when it comes, I'm going to, I'm out of (laughs) here. I am so out of here. Right. He didn't do that. No, it was like, 
He said, now let me, let me get hands on here. Let me get my hands dirty. Let me, let me get some skin in the game. Let me invest a little money in this. Let me help this guy. Who is my, my neighbor? Not in the sense of the person that lives next door to you, but who is your neighbor in the neighborly sense that Jesus talks about? Who must I love? And just as important, how am I to love them? You love whoever's around you that has a need, and particularly in the body of Christ. You love those God has placed in your life. How are you to love them? You love them by giving. You love them by serving. You love by reaching out. You love, love by going outside of yourself. Your neighbor's anyone around you whom you can assist. So, assist. That's it. That's it. That's the word. Amen? So, I, I encourage you to, to help somebody. I encourage you to assist somebody. I encourage you to come alongside someone in need. I encourage you to begin to look outward. Again, I'll say what I said earlier. No matter what your, what, what your pain is and your challenge if you can dare to let go of your stuff long enough to help somebody else with their issues, God will bless you in ways unimaginable.